Well, we're so glad that you're here today. Thank you for being a part of our service this morning and a wonderful time of worship. And uh, I hope you've had a great Thanksgiving. I, I know that there were, um, I was blessed with uh, good food personally and with lots of good leftovers. I think we've got a final little bit of leftovers for lunch today. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, so, and, uh, but man, I hope you had a great week. And, um, and uh, today we're going to, do communion in a few minutes, and we'll just talk about a message here about ingratitude. I think this will be uh, just a blessing to you. Um, I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago that um, I was down in Florida uh, preaching at a church and um, about a month ago. I, I was there, and, and you know, in Florida, everybody's rooting for an SEC football team, and, and uh, I saw a Michigan fan in the back. I had him come up to the platform. The only Michigan guy in the room. And I just gave him some love because, you know, you're down there. It's a hostile land down there. I mean, they just don't love Michigan. It's us versus the world. I just kind of gave him some love. I said, man, they hate us, but I'm your new best friend. And um, after the game, he came to me, and, and I, I, I think he was so moved by that part that I finally got a little love in that church. And, um, and so he goes, hey, I, um, I've got... I'm going to the game, and I've got an extra seat to the game. I said, what do you mean, the game? He said, you know, the game, Michigan and Ohio State. And I said, oh, man. He said, yeah, I've got an extra ticket. Would you like to have it? I said, let me pray about it. Yes, I'll take it, you know. And so, um, I, uh, so yesterday was the game, and, and, and I, I, man, what an awesome time. And, of course, if you're a Michigan fan in the room, you're happy with the outcome. And... Um, but, you know, um, I'll give you another backdoor here. Uh, I, I've been um, in, a, in a process of getting new hearing aids. Every six or seven years, I've got to get new hearing aids. They start to fall apart. And they've been, ask Karen, they've been falling apart for quite a while. Um, they've been past due. And uh, it's so marked about two or three weeks ago, the one hearing aid in my right ear, it, 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 it's done. It broke. It, it finished. It, 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 I've had to bury it, you know, it's no more. And so I've been walking around with one ear. And, um, and, and poor Karen, poor family, poor anybody that tried to have a conversation with me. And, um, and, and, and so I, I'm getting these new hearing aids. They were coming in this past week on Monday. On Monday, I was really looking forward to it. I said, oh, good. I'll get these hearing aids just in time for the game. And I'll get the, get the full experience, hearing the full noise. It's going to be wonderful. And I, I go in for my appointment. And they said, hey, we got your hearing aids, but it's something wrong with it. We're going to have to send it back. Oh. And I, I was kind of feeling, oh, man, kind of bummed out. I'm going to go to the Michigan game. I'm not going to be hearing a stereo sound. I'm going to hear mono sound, right? I'm going to hear half a sound. I said, oh, man, I was really hoping for these, you know, hearing aids. And uh, uh, so I said, well, you know, I didn't even mention it to Karen. I was kind of bummed out. And I, and I get to the game, and, um, and I get there early, and uh, I'm the first one there in, in, in my section. And they told me I was sitting in the right row. I didn't. I was sitting in one row off, and it's very confusing in, in the stadium. And so anybody came to me and I said, nope, I'm in, I'm in row eight. I was actually sitting in row seven, and I messed up that whole section. It was chaos. And, I, you know, oh, well. Um, and so... Um, I, I'm sitting there, and a guy sitting next to me, he's a little older guy, he's sitting next to me, 
and he's deaf, completely deaf. Like, he can't hear anything. And I see that he got the cochlear implants, and I, and I, I go like this, he's deaf. And then he started talking to me in sign language. FYI, I don't really know sign language. That's all I know, okay? And, and so he started, <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa, you know, slow down, you know, you know. I know, I know there's a sign language from like, oh, 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 you know, hold that horse. <laughs> and I was just reading lips, and a real wonderful man, wonderful guy. He was with his brother who played on the, on the, on the team from Michigan back in 1975. And, and, uh, and so anyhow, we, we just had a great, I, I made a new friend named George, and uh, he's completely deaf. So we got the two deaf guys in this session, the one guy that messed up the whole seating arrangement for the whole set, for the session. But we just had a great time. You know, and as I was thinking about that, man, God, you know, here he is, deaf. And I was so bummed out about not hearing the game. And I could hear the game. It was plenty, plenty loud. <laughs> plenty loud. You know, and I, I mean, I was blessed. You know, they got the screen. They got the closed caption. So, you know, I'm there watching and reading the closed caption. I said, you know what? I'm blessed to have that. I was reminded of a poem that I heard a long time ago. The name of the poem is called The World is mine. And I was reminded of this last night and this morning as I was thinking about my situation. I said, today upon a bus, I saw a girl with golden hair. She seemed so gay, I envied her and wished that I were half so fair. I watched her as she rose to leave and saw her hobble down the aisle. She had one leg and wore a crutch. As she passed by, she smiled. Oh God, forgive me when I whine. I have two legs and the world is mine. Later on, I bought some sweet, some candy. The boy who showed them to me had such charm. I thought I'd stop and talk a while. If I were late, it would do no harm. And as we talked, he said, thank you, sir. You've really been so kind. It's nice to talk to folks like you because you see, I'm blind. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two eyes and the world is mine. Later, walking down the street, I met a boy with eyes so blue. But he stood and watched the others play. It seemed he knew not what to do. I paused and I said, why don't you join the others? But he looked straight ahead without a word and then I knew he couldn't hear. Oh God, forgive me when I whine. I have two ears and the world is mine. Two legs to take me where I go, two eyes to see the sunset glow, two ears to hear all I should know. Oh God, forgive me when I whine. I'm blessed indeed. The world is mine. As I think about this Thanksgiving weekend, I have a question for you. How many of you are using words that complains? We whine. Because we've got plenty of materials, right? There's lots of bad stuff going on in our world. 
There's a lot of inconveniences and annoyances and, and frustration. And some of it is genuine pain, right? I mean, we've got the materials to complain all day, every day. And I'm talking today about a heart that's poisoned with ingratitude. If truth is to be told, I think a lot of us from time to time, because of our human nature, we tend to move toward ingratitude. And I want to address three signs this morning. Three signs of a poisonous heart of ingratitude. And maybe just maybe today, you'll leave here thinking, you know, I've got some things I need to clean up. I've got some poison in my life. Because you see, that poison in your heart, that's just, doesn't just affect you. It affects the people, your family, your friends, your people at work. It affects every people around, all the people around your life. And so that poison is hard of ingratitude. I want three signs. And, and really tackle this today. And maybe we can challenge this. We look forward as we prepare our hearts for communion. I pray that we will see how important it is to get rid of the ingratitude. And the first sign of this, the first sign of ingratitude is when miracles become routine. When miracles become routine. And I go back to the story in the Old Testament to the 1400 BC. You've got the Israelites, they are under bondage of Egypt. They have been under bondage of Egypt for 400 years. God has been silenced for 400 years. And all of a sudden, they turned a corner when a man named Moses showed up. He had a confrontation with the, with the ruler of the land, Pharaoh, and he tells him to let my people go. And of course, Pharaoh, if you grew up in Sunday school class, Pharaoh and God had an epic, you know, 10-round showdown. And of course, we know the story. God wins after 10 plagues. He releases the people. And they, they go and they wander through the wilderness. They get to the Red Sea. They see the power of God when God divided the Red Sea and they cross on dry land. They keep walking through. They see the, the water coming from a rock when they were thirsty. They see all these incredible blessings. They even saw manna. Now, we were saying in one of our songs this morning about manna. Manna for today. And manna, in the, in the, I personally believe, I always say that I believe that manna was a hot and ready Krispy Kreme donut. That's what I believe. <laughs> I may be off just a little bit, okay? But it, manna, in fact, the Hebrews, if you're taking notes, the Hebrew language for manna actually it literally meant, what is it? Some of your kids said that about maybe a certain casserole the past Thursday. What is it? Okay. You know, and that's what they did. They woke up that morning and they, they picked up this stuff on the ground every first time and said, What is it? It was manna. And the Bible describes what this manna was. And, and manna, we see this in Numbers chapter 11. Manna was like, verse number seven, was like uh, this coriander seed. And it looked like raisin. 
And the people went around gathering it. They ground it in a hand mill or they crushed it in a mortar. All kinds of things they could do with it. They cook it in a pot. They could make it into loaves. It tastes like something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. I mean, this was incredible. God would provide this food, this manna, every day. All they had to do was pick it up from the ground. They, they made all kinds of recipes. They made casseroles out of it, right? And, and, and it was very nutritious. It sustained their lives. It was probably gluten-free. We don't know. Um, all this stuff was great. But I want, they had this miracle that was happening. But look at verse 4. Bible said, the rabble. In other words, the complaints. And the complaint got loud. So loud that they called a rabble. And the rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing. And they said, if only we had meat to eat. I want you to notice that the miracle at this point, the miracle of the manna had become routine. They had been experiencing this miracle day after day, food coming down from the sky. In fact, the first time it happened, there was a shock. And they, and they got used to it. And, and they didn't have to worry about the food that they had to put on their plate. Because back then, that was a whole day deal. You wake up, especially these guys, they didn't harvest the land. They were traveling from point A to point B, so they didn't have the farmland. They were moving around. And so every day was a deal, ordeal to try to find food for the day. They didn't have the general store to stop at. They didn't have the, you know, the Costco and Sam Club to get bulk food. I mean, they had to figure that out every day, and God took that, God solved that problem. God took away that concern. God took away their worries. They woke up every day knowing that God was providing something for them. That was a miracle. And then some time went by, and they would get the manna. They would sit down and eat it. And they would say, you know, God, you, know, you can really kind of spice things up a little bit around here. It's kind of, kind of boring. See, the novelty, the novelty has worn off. The miracle had become routine. They started taking the manna for granted. And, and, and I, I love this quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said, if the stars should appear but one night every thousand years, he said, how man would just marvel and stare at it. And he's right, isn't he? If the stars only came out, once every thousand years. You know what we would do? If we knew that next week there was a star night and we haven't had it in our lifetime, we would, we would go buy new telescopes. We would get brand new cameras. We would have star you know, night. And we'd stay up all night just looking at admiring the star because we said, man, this is a once in a lifetime deal. We've got to stay up all night and just taking pictures, looking at the stars. We would just marvel. We would be blown away. We would we would just be blown away by the wonders of God. But we have the stars every night, don't we? Bunches of stars. 
and yet we've taken them for granted. We don't, we, don't, we don't even look at it and admire, you know, these are the stars that God knows by name. And we just miss it. Now, when I live in Pensacola, from Pensacola, Florida, and, and Pensacola is the home base of the Blue Angels. And, and, and every day, every day, I saw the Blue Angels driving to work. They'd be practicing. I see them in the horizon. They fly over my head. And at first they were cool, but then you saw it every day, and then I got bored with it. I mean, these guys do performances and shows all around the world, and and and, and not just me, but everybody. It's a influential, big whoop. And then we moved up here, and we haven't seen the Blue Angels. And then the Blue Angels had a show right by our house, over at Southridge. And they whip over our house, and I jump out of the house like I've never seen a blue angel before. The camera, a blue angel just flew over our head. I, I got so excited, I grabbed my camera, took a picture and a picture, and I got, but man, how come I didn't get any, how come I wasn't just excited when I actually lived with them in Pensacola for 10 years? You see, we have miracles upon miracles upon miracles in our life flying over our head, and we just missed it. God, and at first, at one time, we appreciated it, and it became routine. And that's a sign of ingratitude. That's a poisonous sign of ingratitude when we start taking the miracles, the manna, for granted. Simple things. Big manna, small manna. By the way, manna, it's just man, it's bread. When you, when you woke up this morning and made toast, you thank God for the bread? That's simple. That's simple. You know, uh, I haven't uh, been a great practitioner in front of, as far as journaling. And I've done, done some journaling in the past year, and, and one of the things I've started doing in my journal is I started writing the blessings of God. God's blessing. And I wrote here, God's blessing of 2023 and in the past week, I added more to it. And I added a subtitle, Don't Let the Manna Become Routine. I started writing, you know why I write this down? Because we have a tendency, just like the Israelites did, to forget. To forget. Had someone show me an app after the first service. The app is called Thankful. And every day for the last six years, you got a, it's actually on a, on a streak, 1,965 days. Every day he opened that app and list all the things that he's thankful for. Big things, little things. And it keeps him grateful for what he has. Are you grateful for the small things? Are you grateful for the manna? Have you let the manna become routine? It's so easy in our world to just focus on all the negativity, all the bad news, all the bad, I mean, we can get into politics and all the stuff that you disagree with. Oh man, you know, our country going 
down, you know, going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> we start saying stuff like that, and, and, and all. We can so focus on the negative that we forget that we are blessed. And this is a good country to still live in, the best. And I've been in quite a few countries in my life. We have a lot to be thankful for. Little things, oh yeah, Don't, I'm not saying little things that need to be fixed and addressed, but man, we're blessed. Don't let the man of America become routine. Here's the second sign of a poisonous heart is when you start to idolize the past. When the past becomes an idol, the good old days. When we start living in the good old days, Bible says here, the people of Israelites, they're, they're complaining. It says we, they said, we remember the fish we ate in where? Say it out loud. Come on, y'all wake up. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt. We ate there at, we ate the fish at no cost. It was free. Also the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks, onions and garlic. So here they are, out in the middle of the wilderness, they're sitting around the campfire, they're reminiscing about the good old days. The good old days. Oh, guys, do you all remember we had it made in Egypt? I mean, we could just remember the onions and the, the garlic. I mean, oh, I could just smell the onions and garlic. Oh, man, just like it was from yesterday. Oh, man, isn't it sweet tasting? You know, the juice from the melons is coming down our face. Oh, man, I miss those melons. Oh, it was wonderful. Man, it was so awesome. Man, and, and that nice crunchy bite of the cucumbers. Man, we can't have cucumbers out here. We're in the middle of a desert. Man, we had it made. We had it made in Egypt. But oh, yes, Egypt was awesome. And they conveniently forget that they were under bondage. They were slaves. And the reason why it cost them nothing is because the Egypt wanted to keep them alive so that they keep working, building their pyramids or whatever they had them built. They forgot. They started dwelling on the good old days. You know, your heart is not healthy when the past becomes an idol. Oh, you know, Scott, life was so much better back then. You ever find yourself doing that? Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, he said, Do not say, Why were the old days better than these? For it's not wise to ask just questions. Solomon said, stop romanticizing the past. Because he said, because if you're not careful, the past can become a form of coveting. Coveting. It becomes a form of ingratitude. It becomes a lack of faith. What you're, what you're saying is, say, oh God, I don't really trust that you're going to take care of us in the present and provide for me now. So instead of being grateful now, and instead of believing that you have good plans for my future, I'm going to long for the security of the past. I'm going to lose myself in the good old days. 
Oh God, back when I was in elementary school, man, I had no homework. No project. Man, those were the days. Oh God, before, you know, when we were just dating, you know, man, we were just so in love. Oh, those were the good old days. Oh, hey, when our kids were just little, those were the good old days. Hey, God, when when I had teeth, oh man, those were the those were the good old days. Man, I, I thank God for those days. And we could dwell so much in the past. Listen, I'm not saying we can't be thankful for the past. That's not what I'm saying here. But what I am saying, that if you stay in the past, and if you live in the past, then you will not have eyes to see the way God is blessing you today. And you'll miss it. You will miss it. Don't miss the manner of God's blessing that he wants you to see today. And our hearts become poisoned when we idolize the past. Here's the third poison. Here's the third sign of a poisonous heart of ingratitude. It's that when your heart and my heart become proud. When it becomes proud. And go back to the story of Israelites. They are now traveling year number 40. 40 years they've been wandering. They're on the threshold of the promised land. They can see the new land. They can see the other side of the river and all that God has promised to them. And before they cross over, God meets with them one more time and gives the word to the Israelites, and I believe the word for all of us. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse number 10. He says, when you have eaten and you're satisfied. Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Failing to observe his command, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day. And then he said, otherwise, when you forget, if you forget, here's what can happen. When you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses, when you settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. See, there's a tendency for a heart to get proudful. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, You'll forget that he led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with the venomous snakes and scorpions. You'll forget that he brought you water out of the hard rock. You'll forget that he gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something that your ancestors have never seen, to humble and test you to, so that in the end it might go well with you. And you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Look what I've done. Look what I did. He said in verse 18, but you need to remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. God said to his people, look, Life is about to get really good for you. You're going to cross over into the promised land. 
You're about to experience some blessings, some blessings you've had to have in a long, long time. You're going to have that melon that you've been missing, the garlic and onion smell that you've been missing, all those wonderful things. You're going to see it again, and you're going to have a sense of security when you cross over. But then God said, but when that happens, when that happens, when you start to see the blessing come, be careful, because your heart can easily turn into pride. And we forget that it was God that brought you here. And that's the polar opposite of being thankful. I want you to think about it for just a minute. Think about some of the things that you have. You ready? Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have a car? Do you have income? Do you have friends and family in your life? And most of you in this room will say, yes, I have all those things. And here's the question. Why do you have those things? Why do you have it? Why do you have it? And at some level, you'll say, well, because of me. I work hard. You know, I, I went and got an education. I got degrees. I went, and get a job. I went and got a job, and I, I saved money. I invested money. And yet, you're involved in the process. But I want, I want to step back just a little bit further. Who gave you the mind to be able to learn? Who gave you a family that supported you, maybe helped you get the education? Who, who gave you a body and certain raw abilities and talent so that you could do certain jobs? Who arranged for you to be born somewhere in the United States and not in a slum of a third world country? Who? Did you accomplish all that stuff? You see, the the deeper you think about these things, the more you realize that it was all God. And to God be the glory. God is so responsible for so much of who you are. And God tells you people, listen, look, you're going to have a lot of blessings, and I want you to enjoy those blessings. We see that. Bible, God doesn't want us not to enjoy the blessings given us. We see them in 1 Timothy. You know, God has richly given us all things for our enjoyment. So enjoy God's blessings. But don't be so ignorant to take the credit. Don't get so cocky. Don't look at other people who have less than you and think, no, if you would just work hard like me, then you can have this awesome life that I have. Don't, don't go there. Realize how much your net breath depends on God. Because when you realize that, not only will God be glorified through your life, you'll be so much more fun to be around. People will want to be around you when you have hearts 
of gratitude. In just a few minutes, we're going to be entering our communion. In fact, our band can just come up here. We're going to sing a song in just a minute. But communion, it's an opportunity for us to come into the presence of God, to thank God for what he's done. To ask God to forgive us of where we've fallen short. In fact, I would say that I would say that if you, that the miracle in your life has become routine, uh, you, you've taken for granted, I would say to confess, oh God, help me when, I'm whine, when I whine. Help me when I whine. I have so much, I've been blessed. And the world is mine. Forgive me. Maybe some of you need to confess because you've been idolizing the path. And you missed out on the amazing future that God wants to show you. Maybe perhaps you need to confess your prideful heart. You've been living your life with pride and because of pride, your hand's been close-handed. But gratitude opens our hands. Say, God, what I have is yours. Use me however you want to use me. I'm just grateful. I'm grateful. Psalm 100, verse 4. Bible says for you and I to enter his gate with thanksgiving, gratitude. And to enter his court with praise. Or to enter his presence with a grateful heart. The next few minutes, as we sing, say, God, help me to be grateful, thankful. Help me to live out my life, get rid of the poisons, and to live a life of gratitude. If you know the song, you can sing. Uh, but can we stand together and worship regardless? All my words fall short. I got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs. As I often do, but every song must end, and you never do. So I throw up my hands, praise you again and again, so that I have is
got one spot I've got just one room With my arms stretched wide I will worship you Don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs.
as we get ready for communion, now I want to challenge you with your gratitude. Write it down. That's your takeaway. Before now and end of the year, because you'll forget what happened in 2023. You'll start focusing on 2024 and write down what God has blessed you this year. As we get ready and prepare our hearts, communion at Lake Point Church is it's a picture of what Christ did for us. We are grateful for the salvation that he provides on that cross. In fact, if that's the only thing he does for us, then we are eternally and forever grateful because that's enough. But like, like a father to his children, our heavenly father who loves us, does so much more. He provides so much more than salvation. He just heaps blessings upon blessings on top of that salvation. And so we look back to the most important thing that happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus died. His body broke for you. His blood was shed for us. And this is the picture for us. Just help us to pause and to live with gratitude for what he did. It's not necessary for our salvation. We don't believe to save the person. It's just a picture of the saving grace that he had provided for all of us. And so the first element is the piece of bread. So open that up. And just hold on to that bread for just a minute. Pastor Chris is going to come and he's going to bless over the first element. And then I'll read some verses and then we'll take it together. Father, we're grateful for this time that we can focus on the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Lord, you sent him to sacrifice his body for us. And Lord, it's because of that sacrifice that we have the hope of heaven. We have the hope of eternal life. And so, Lord, as we take these few minutes and we focus on the body and the blood of Jesus, and the sacrifice he made on that cross, may we be reminded of your love for us. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we enter his gates with thanksgiving, with gratitude, I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also am passing on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He gave thanks. On the night of all nights, he knew what was about to happen. He knew that he would suffer and died and still found time to be grateful. What an example for us to follow. He said, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do this together in remembrance of him. The second element is the blood, represents the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Pastor Tom can come and pray over this element. Father, thank you. Thank you for your precious blood that was spilled by sending your son Jesus that you did not allow the cup to pass from his lips. We are grateful. God, would you speak to us now, search our hearts and know us, make us move in unity, and may there be repentance wherever there needs to be repentance. But we thank you for that blood and for the sacrifice. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25. In the same way after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. And remember something. Let's do that together. And remember something. Our Father, we thank you today for the important reminder of living a life of gratitude. God, help us to live it out. Write it down. All the blessings upon blessings you've given us. The big manna, the small manna. Big miracles, the small miracles. The miracle of life, the miracle of breath that we take every day. The miracle that we wake up every morning. Giving us another day to breathe. Another day to serve you. We thank you for the miracle and the manna of a future heavenly home. Because of what you did for us on the cross. We thank you for shedding your blood and dying on the cross for our sins so that we can have that gospel that was once proclaimed among the saints, the same gospel here today. And we can experience salvation because of what you did. In Jesus' name, amen.